Welcome to the inaugural Fly Guys podcast. I hope I hope the name sticks. My name is Justin Goodhart, and I'm off to my left is another ship alum. We are both ship alums, actually. Cameron Klein. Uh, Cameron, how you doing today? I'm good, man. How you doing? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. It's it's a good it's a good it's honestly it's a good Tuesday. The Eagles yeah. winning Monday night. The Phillies. The breaking news just coming in. The Phillies have signed Didi Gregorius. I don't even know the terms of the deal yet. I'm sure I'll find that out momentarily but we're not here to talk about the eagles we're not here to talk about the miami dolphins we're not here to talk about the philadelphia phillies what we're here to talk about is philadelphia flyers hockey philadelphia flyers hockey now the philadelphia flyers are off to one of the best starts that they've had going all the way back to 2012 they're 30 games into their season and they've been phenomenal they're 17 8 and 5 and i use the word phenomenal in a different way than i think most people would be used to you think of phenomenal you're thinking of the boston bruins and how they're like 20 and 4 right now or the Washington Capitals who are off mm. to a hot start. The reason why this team's phenomenal is because of such the low expectations that the city has built around them and they've responded to that by winning 17 of their first 30 games. Yeah, nobody nobody has been talking about Philadelphia even to the point now where still nobody's really talking about the Philadelphia Flyers. I mean, they had the most successful at, at November in their entire franchise history. And yet, even in the city of Philadelphia, just now, in December, are they now talking about them? Kind of bringing them up in the conversation. So no one really kind of expected. But for the people that have been really paying attention, uh, for people like you and I, we knew they were going to be better than they've been in years previously, specifically because of coaching. Um, Also, you know, a lot of new personnel. Kevin Hayes, the big one. Um, So we kind of knew they were going to be better, but I I can't say I would be expecting them to be as, as prominent as they are now. And I'm a big hype guy, so I, I know I can get caught into hype trains and, and whatnot. So seeing how successful they've been recently is kind of a dangerous place for me because I'm yeah, starting to think, I, like, I hear that. Stanley Cup ambitions but and this, whatnot. this feels genuine. This feels exactly. like it is going to be the way that this team's going to be. And I think, one, we start with the coach, Elaine Vigneault, a veteran coach. He took the Vancouver Canucks to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2011. Yep. He took the New York Rangers to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2014, I believe. And to add on to that, like New York Rangers at the time, they were an old team. They were I mean, an old Marty team. Marty St. Louis was one of the highest scoring players. I believe on that they team. still had Ryan Callahan on I that team. They did. Uh, Ryan yeah. McDonough. They had, and well, a still a pretty good Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah, he's, he just doesn't go away. He's uh, he's gonna go down as the greatest goalie to never win a Stanley Cup, in my opinion. Yeah, because yeah, I had a kind of debate back in 2015 with with a roommate of mine about the New York Rangers and we were saying and I was saying that if they don't win the cup within that year or the next year they're going to be on a downward spiral. And that's what they are. I mean they're get, they're the youngest team in hockey and they've they've gotten better. They're they're actually off to a pretty decent start themselves. They're only a couple points away from the second wild card spot, a wild card area that is completely controlled by the Metropolitan Division, thus giving credence to how yeah, great really. this division is. But speaking back to the Flyers, we're talking about a team that last year, I mean, you want to talk about lowering the bar, and you want to talk about disappointment, and you want to talk about coaching ineptitude. This was a team that couldn't, they couldn't skate right. They couldn't shoot the puck. <laughs> they, could, they didn't even know what the word defense meant. No. And in a year's time, and it's not just the veterans, look at the young youth that is on this team. Look at I mean, Ivan Provorov. Ivan, he's what a turnaround. He gets the contract. Mm-hmm. He actually got off to a slow start this season oh, yeah. where everyone was like, we shouldn't have signed him. Mm-hmm. We, he was not worth the contract. Classic Philadelphia reaction. It's always the classic. I'm sensing that with Carson Wentz <laughs> in this city. But here comes Ivan Provorov. Over the last two weeks has been playing some of the most inspired and just best hockey I've seen out of him. 
and you're seeing a player that not only is having fun, but you're also seeing a player that is taking his game to a new level, and I credit two people with that. One, I credit Elaine Vigneault, and I credit Matt Niskanen, because he has been a mainstay in this defense, and thank God they made that trade, because I was ready to move on from Radko Gudis regardless, but Matt Niskanen has... two seasons ago, I was ready to to move on from him. I never understood the outrage about trading him. I was like, all you're getting a guy... What you're getting in Radko Gudis is a a mid-level defender who gets suspended way too much, commits way too many dumb penalties, and is always found to be out of position. Him, with Goss to spare, was a terrible defensive line last year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, if anything, like, when I first saw the trade, I thought, okay, if anything, that's, that's an even trade. Where we're both it was of, a, yeah, it was know, like a one-off. At first, know. I was like, okay, all right, we're getting Matt Niskanen. Yeah. He's a veteran defender; he'll help. It, it didn't, it didn't, you know, get me too excited because I was like, okay, well, we're not improving a whole lot. Well, looking at it now, yeah, we did. It, I mean, sent, we we very much did. And the other thing with Ivan Provorov, and again, I I credit this a lot to Matt Niskanen, is that Ivan Provorov confidence, his confidence has gone through the roof. He's doing things like the um the the Montreal goal in overtime where he oh my God. went coast to coast with it and pulled a dangle move and i think a, a, a beautiful one at that too and i i think it, it you can credit it somewhat to madness because now ivan provorov is not as afraid to make certain mistakes he doesn't have this entire weight of this entire team's defense on him because he's got a guy named matt niskanen who has been to stanley cups been to multiple Stanley Cups and has won one himself, who who has some experience, who can actually use his veteran leadership and, and, and back him up a little bit. Matt Niskanen obviously anchored a really good Penguins defense for uh, some years and obviously was part of that Washington defense that won a cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of... Hated him for a long time. Yeah, speaking of... Uh, <laughs> I hated them too. Speaking of... Um, you know, just that Montreal game. Last week, the Flyers played, you know, quite a bit of games. I want to bring up those games right now because they were uh, they were some interesting games that they played. They they beat Montreal in overtime, which was pretty damn impressive in my opinion. They So they beat Montreal in overtime last Saturday. Uh, not actually, no, the Saturday before last Saturday. Then they destroyed the Toronto Maple Leafs in what was a close game, and they ended up just running away with that game. Like 6-1 to one was the final score. Then they lose to Arizona, and I, I'm already saying that Darcy Kemper is going to win the Vesna Trophy because he is a phenomenal goalie. What, going to that game, it was Jen's first hockey game. She yeah, you, his, you picked the wrong one to go to. Yeah, you know, when I initially picked that game, I was thinking, oh, okay, they're not going to be that good of a team. That could be a win. Right, yeah. Jen's curse of going to games and them not winning is still looking pretty good right now. That's a shame. But man. the other one that really got me was this game against Ottawa. Because I thought, okay, they, they should win this game by a yeah. couple goals. Get off to an amazing start, and then they lose TK. And it just, it was this, this I hate to use this word, this gritty Ottawa team <laughs> that just won't go away, that gave us problems weeks ago, and they continue to give us problems. Ottawa's always been a team that gives us problems. But this was a game which I have seen too many times, last year's Flyers and even previous year's Flyers. They lose it because they get undisciplined, they don't get the goals, and they end up leading these little bleeders go past them to lose a game that they had no business losing. But this time, they responded. And this time, you saw a word that I haven't seen a, a Flyers team use in a long time, poise, gracious, grace under pressure. They were phenomenal. And it's just a shame that it comes at a cost of Phil Myers and Travis Konechny, which we'll talk about in a moment. But what was your thoughts on the win against Ottawa? I mean, you pretty much nailed it, dude. And and, and it kind of transitions to, uh, to me, a theme I've noticed throughout the season is that 
earlier on, there were kind of points where the third period, I, I felt that the Flyers kind of tailed off a little bit earlier on in the season. Where yeah. First season or first first period, they were kind of always relatively okay. Second period, they were usually doing pretty successfully, and then always it was always a third period that would get them. Mm-hmm. And they turned that around, and it just shows that they have now a perseverance that they didn't have before. And I think you said it, you put it correctly. It was just the poise is allowing them to do that. They're not getting flustered. They're not getting frustrated. They're not getting nervous. They're they're locking down. They're sticking to their game plan, which I think is extremely important. And they're executing it properly. Couldn't agree more. And that's what's getting them these wins. There have been multiple times where the Montreal game is another one where they were in the lead. Montreal scores, and they, they tie the game. It goes in overtime. But what does this team do? Do they panic like they used to before, and they make mistakes, and they do dumb penalties like too many men on the ice or, or whatever it is, tripping, hooking, all these things that they don't need to do? They don't. Now, they take their time, take a couple deep breaths. They're right back out there executing the game plan that they designed to begin with and getting Ws. And I'm just going to point out that there's two things that they've done really well this season. They've overcome slow starts and have really yes. evened the play. They haven't gotten fallen so far behind the game. Other than other than the game against Pittsburgh, I haven't seen them in a like out of a game like so badly where you're like just this 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 team can't do it. Yeah. But what I have seen in this team that has really inspired me is you look at the point distribution, it's mm-hmm. not just one guy. No. It's I mean, Travis Connecting leads the team in points. Sean Kateri's got 22 points. Claude Giroux's got 21 points. Jake Voracek, who honestly, I don't, I think he's a bit under the radar right now with how he's been playing because I, I always seem to miss him on the ice. And then I look back at those, oh my god, he had like two assists last night. Yeah. But uh, he's got 21 points. Ivan Provorov has got 19 points. Biggest of, you know, uh, I mean, he's been on a bit of a goal drought recently. But Oscar Lindblom was off to a, you know, a flying start. Mm-hmm. I think that my favorite player on the team right now is Phil Myers because of the the puck distribution that he brings. I don't even like I think that there are other guys too that haven't played well in the past but are playing well this year. Robert Haig yes. is an improved player all of yeah. a sudden. Goss Despair, his confidence is back and he's, you know, rifling shots from the point, which I when you when he's doing that, I'm loving it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, that's me what too. he did at Union. Absolutely. Like I I love I love a Shane Goss's Bear Ripper. I mean, I it's, it's beautiful. It's, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it, and and I think that's a big testament to to the coaching, to Elaine Vigneault, and to the to the other, Mike Yeo, the other guys that are on the coaching staff. Is again, they they've been there before. They know how to handle this stuff. Yeah, Michelle Tarian and all those guys. Right, yeah, right. The other thing is is they're extremely good at keeping holding their players accountable. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you look at Jake Voracek, how he improved this season so far. It wasn't until Elaine Vigneault essentially called him and Claude Giroux out as guys that, that weren't performing as he needed them to perform. And suddenly, Jake Voracek now has a plus four and a plus minus. There was one play or one player that I wanted to bring up. Scott Lawton. I was so ready to move on from him in the offseason. I was like, you know what? You don't win pl- You don't win a championship with a guy named Scott Lawton. He's yeah. making me look like an idiot right yeah. now because he has he brings an intensity, and I think that's another thing that mm-hmm. uh, Vino has done really well is inspire. Like he makes this team more intense. They were such a boring team under Dave Haxtell. It it it, it was I, killing me. It was killing the fan base. I, I think I texted you a little like a, a week ago, and I yeah, said, you said I just, it so perfectly. Watching them play with with under Dave Haxtell was essentially. It, 
I forget how I you put said it. it like it was like you know drinking a can of coke that had been out like you know opened all open day for open all day yeah that's exactly what how it felt I mean now, it felt flat it seemed like they didn't even want to be there no nah, I agree I know it was so frustrating as a fan base to to care as much as we did and then to turn on a hockey game and within within a minute and a half you're you're thinking. I want to turn this off. There's mm-hmm. no point of watching this game. And this came under some lean years when the Sixers weren't very good. So you literally had mm-hmm. no choice. You had to either stick with the Flyers or enjoy the Sixers tanking Or you trust the process. Yeah. So let's talk about Elaine Vigneault because now he's got a challenge. Because we've lost Travis Konechny's out indefinitely. We have no right. clue how long he'll be out. Right. Uh, Phil Myers is, won't. He will not play tomorrow. I don't know if he'll miss the Saturday game. Yeah. But he will definitely not play tomorrow. And they're not playing exactly a, a cupcake team in the Colorado Avalanche. No. Um, As a matter of fact, Avalanche, they are very young and very good. And they have, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, his name is Nathan McKinnon, Gabriel Landeskog. Two, uh, two solid players that are uh, pretty pretty damn good. Yeah, they, they, may have, they may have crossed my mind a couple uh-huh. times. <laughs> so this is going to be a really tough stretch. This, 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 these next three road games are going to be just brutal. And I, I have to point out that the Flyers' schedule has not been a layup to start the year. They've played some really tough teams. No, they also yeah. have some really impressive wins to their resume, including a shootout win over the Boston. Boston Bruins in Boston, mind in you. In Boston, yeah. So they've got tough. Colorado on the 11th, and I mean it's going to be a big thing. You're, I expect Chris Stewart to be back in the lineup. Uh, Mikhail Vorobiev will be in the lineup probably. That that I was actually happy with when um, Vorobiev getting called back up yeah, instead with, of them just activating Stewart off the yes, up stretch. Yeah, yeah exactly. I agree with that. Like like no offense, Chris Stewart. I like Chris Stewart as a guy. I like him. Mm-hmm. I like his personality. I like having him in the locker room. I think he's great. I just think that the the style of play that hockey is focuses on now and and emphasizes he just doesn't fit that. I would agree. I think he's more of a you know I wouldn't call him an enforcer, but he's more like a grinder. I mean, I feel like in today's league you can consider him an enforcer. I guess you maybe you can. Well, the, no the way the league really. has gone, yeah. yeah. Um. So they got Colorado. I mean, look, they've got really they've got three tough games: Colorado, Minnesota, Winnipeg, all on the road. Winnipeg is a great arena to go to. Really? Got, that's one of the be- in my opinion that's one of the best home ice advantages in the NHL. Mm. So when what you're looking for in these three games, you're looking in my opinion, you're looking for three points. Give me three out of six. If you can give me three out of six, going back home to play Anaheim and Buffalo before you hit the road for Ottawa, you've got in my opinion you're in really good shape. I really don't know how they're going to pull off these three points because in my opinion the best way to start this off would be a win tomorrow. But Damn, that's going to be so that hard. That's extremely difficult because you're you're missing Philip Myers and you're missing your best scorer. Yeah, and you're missing Travis Konechny. But like Philip, to go back, Philip Myers, he defensively has been locked down. He's been locked down, and then he's able to spring these fast breaks because he's so good at puck distribution. Absolutely, yeah. His his him finding TK for that two on one against Toronto, which mm-hmm. made the score three to one. Mm-hmm. That was one of the best passes I've seen it all was, year. It was insane. And yeah. it's like, you know, he's so natural. He doesn't get, you know, too ca- – he doesn't get nervous in the moment. So now you're going to have Robert Haig come in probably. He'll probably man the third defensive line. So you'll probably – you'll have Niski and Provi manning the one. Um, Braun and Ghost at the two. Right. And then Haig and uh, – who am I forgetting? Who am I forgetting? Um, Sanha. Oh, no. You know what? Maybe what you do is you put Ghost with Haig and then Sanheim with – uh, Braun at the two for the second defensive pairing. I, yeah, I I like I I I don't like Sandheim with Hag as we did say. You know, as you did say, Hag has improved as a player. Mm-hmm. 
I just Sandheim is extremely offensive to the point where. So you need bro- a defensive defensive yeah, guy like exactly, Justin Braun. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I definitely like your your latter decision uh, more than um, the former. Speaking of Justin Braun, really good defensive player. I th- underrated signing. If you looked at his stats, you'd think he's nothing spectacular. But I think he's one of the biggest pieces for a penalty kill that has now all of a sudden shot through the ranks and is now third in the NHL. This was the one thing we talked about last year with the Flyers. They can't defend and they don't know how to kill a power uh, kill a penalty. Their special teams were. Awful. And you know what? Their Awful. power plays actually regressed and yeah, has not been good lately. But their penalty kill, I feel so much more confident in their penalty oh, kill yeah. now. Yeah, I have no worries. It brings me back to the to 2012. Mm-hmm. Back when it was it was Claude Giroux and Maxime Talbot. It was like I had no I was Maxime never Talbot. issued. I was never worried. To the point where I was not even worried to the point where when we were on the penalty kill, I was like, okay, well, that other team better watch out because we're probably gonna score here. I mean, that's that's how good the penalty kill used to be. But no, I agree, and you can also credit some of that to Kevin Hayes too. Kevin Hayes has been phenomenal. I mean, he, you know, his man, he's six five and he's not a defenseman. That's what kills me about Kevin Hayes. He's a forward and he's like six five. He's got nice hands. He does have he's nice, got nice hands. hands. He uh, he also got paid a lot of money, so he better you know do a good job. Yeah, in this city, you know, if you if you if you get a check like that, and don't get me wrong, compared to other sports, it's not that much. But for hockey, that's a big. It's check. insane how how little hockey players get paid. It compared is. To, it, it really is. Like look at Bryce Harper's contract, and then take a look at million. what the Flyers gave Travis Konechny, and people were like, "Did we overpay for Travis Konechny?" Yeah, how much did they give him overall? It's like six and six. Okay, yeah, There's something like right. that. But um, so the other thing that I wanted to briefly mention, which was optional, I listed on here. Uh, the Metropolitan Division right now, as we said, is going to be it's you know it's going to be tight throughout most of the season. It's a tough division to be in, that's for sure. Uh, I would rather be in the Atlantic. I, that's no joke. But the Flyers are keeping pace. They're thirty. They're at thirty nine points. They're not going to catch the Washington Capitals. The Capitals are that is their division to lose. However, it's going to be between the Islanders and the Pen- the Flyers and the Penguins from second in the Metropolitan to that one wild card spot throughout most of the season. Right. The question is, can the Flyers beat the Islanders and Penguins? We've seen now that they, they are, they're 0-1-1 against the Islanders in a game that they really should not have let get away from Yeah, them. that was tough. I, I fell asleep. I was up early that morning. I fell asleep. I woke up, and my girlfriend was like, yeah, they lost. And I, I couldn't... I couldn't fathom that. I, it was 3 nothing. I was listening to the game on the radio on my way back from uh, Harrisburg, and it's like 3 nothing. I'm like pretty close. I'm like, okay, you know, this this game's a wrap. They make it 3-1. Right. I'm, I'm, it's 3-1. I was like, all right, you know, no big deal. 3-1. 3-2, yeah. I'm like, all right, guys, let's not, let's not play with fire or anything. <laughs> I get inside to my house. I turn the TV on. They're just showing the replay. They're tying the game. I'm like, they're going to lose this game to the oh, yeah. Islanders. Oh, yeah. And the Islanders are not a team that scores a lot of goals. They just don't allow many goals either. Yeah. The Pittsburgh Penguins, on the other hand, are dealing with their own set of injuries. Sidney Crosby's out. Right. Uh, uh, I, I know Malkin's out. They've lost Ali. Ma- I think uh, no, no. They uh, they lost uh, Hornquist for a little while too. Yeah. That, I mean, that's that's. I mean, it's almost a top line. If if Crosby and Malkin were both not centers, that's your top line right there. And worst of all for this team, for the for the Penguins, is. That their goalie has not been stand out. He's been playing better of late, but looking at his stats, Matt Murray has not been a fantastic goalie. I mean, no, no offense to him. Like, obviously, you know, we we have our biases because we're Philadelphia. Oh, I loved Matt Murray when he when he showed up to the NHL. I was like, oh, this guy's going to be a great real soon. Yeah, but in recent years, he hasn't been. 
Something happened to him. Yeah, he, he didn't even been get the hurt. Matt Murray, he was when they won that first Stanley Cup. So this is his. This is these are his numbers. He's ten five and four right now. His he's got a two eight five goals against average. His save percentage eight nine seven. So that's not anything below ninety is not good. Yeah, that's that's tough, man. Meanwhile, meanwhile, I just want to point out our boy Carter Hart. <laughs> let's just let's just bring another just. another turnaround too. If you if you if you. As a testament of this team, oh, from his start in the season, uh, yeah, yeah. You, the start, of, just the whole team, the start of the season, they did not look great. They looked like the same old Flyers a couple times, and then in the last month, I mean, completely turned around. I'll tell you the game that I think it turned around was when they got blown out by Pittsburgh. I think Vigneault went in the locker room was like, "I'm not doing this." Yeah, I, I was like, "He's like, are you kidding me? Like, you know what? Did I not say no more excuses? Be a Flyer. I'm, I'm not going to repeat the other word that right, he repeated yeah. there. But anyway, Carter Hart." <laughs> He's 10-5-3, and three, a two three nine goals against average with a nine oh nine save percentage. For the record, that nine oh nine compared to where it was at just a couple weeks ago, phenomenal that he's gotten it up. Yeah, I he, think in the month of November, he was, uh, I believe, like a nine two one or a nine three one, something like that. He's His last few games, listen to these numbers. So he had a 90% against Ottawa. He allowed a couple goals that I'm sure he'd love to have back. Against Toronto, nine, he was 27 out of 28. Against Detroit, 32 out of 33. Against Vancouver, 16 out of 17. And then against Calgary, 25 out of 27. That's, I think, what you can realistically expect on a nightly basis from Carter Hart. Yeah. So, you want to, so I, I think that when it comes to this division, and it's a tough division, you have to ask yourselves, are the Philadelphia Flyers the third or second best team in this t- division? My answer is yes. Mine is too, yeah. They will have to overcome the loss of TK. I don't love the word indefinitely. I don't know what that means. I don't know how long that can be. It's indefinite. There's no clear and concise data return. But And, and as a as a huge Chris Pronger fan when he played, it, that gives that word gives me PTSD. Like, I, I don't... When I heard indefinitely with him, it was, okay, well, maybe, maybe he'll be back Chris, next season. Chris Pronger's injury is why I'm really worried about Nolan Patrick. Same. Absolutely. Absolutely, it was. The same, I mean, essentially the same thing. I mean, Patrick, his is, is migraines, um, and and Pronger, he had a post concussion syndrome. But the two are not he, too far. They're apart not from too each far other. apart. The effects of what they are is pretty much the same. I mean, it just messes up your equilibrium, messes up your balance. He can't skate correctly. It's when, all of those things. When they were talking to Patrick, and I watched the interview, and he they asked him like, you know, you know, when do you think he'll be back? Do you think he'll be I back soon? This, he was yeah. like. Listen, if I could be back now, I would be. So you could tell that the, there was frustration in his voice. You could tell that he's that he's very upset by this. I'm just going to put this out there. I wouldn't expect to see Nolan Patrick anytime before the All-Star break. I don't I, think we'll see him until at least March, which is really unfortunate. But I think that that would be a best-case scenario. He the, And the way the team is playing right now, take as much time as he needs. I agree. Take as much time as he needs. He's young. Get him healthy. I'm I'm such a big advocate for get a player healthy. Mm-hmm. Do not play them until they're able to. If you're gonna have to suffer, you're gonna have to suffer. But if you if you force that player to come in now before they're fully healthy, they're just gonna further injure that, further aggravate that injury. Carson and you're gonna have Wentz. a Sean Jackson, Carson Wentz. Yeah, not Carson Wentz. Yeah, exactly. He uh, gets rushed back from the ACL and then he ends up with a broken back. Tyler Pitlick being on the first line. A couple of things about that. One. He wants balance on all four lines. That's big. Number two, where does James Van Rienstead typically play? In front of the net. Well, which wing? Oh, left, usually. So where does Giroux play? Yeah. 
Giroud's a left winger. Yeah. So you can't really put JVR on the first line because then you're going to force Drew back to the right. And we already saw what he's like on the right. It's just not the same. No, no. So I like the line distribution. I really think that it's a smart way of doing things. But with that being said, Tyler Pitlick has big shoes to fill. And he's going to have oh, yeah. to fill them quickly. Oh, now, yeah. I also think that this is great for Morgan Frost. Not because he's being demoted, but because he's now going to be playing with guys. Like, oh, he's going to go up against other second liners. I think he's good enough to be a first liner already. The oh, numbers just haven't been there. Mm-hmm. But I think he's really good enough to be a first liner. So him going down to the second line, I think you're going to see more points out of him. I think yep. you're going to see a confidence boost. Yeah, I know. I was thinking the same exact thing, actually. It's funny that you say that. I was thinking the exact same thing. I was going to say right before, right, right after you did, um, that the, the the one upside or one of the upsides of, of losing TK is that our younger guys with Farabee and Frost, you're gonna, I, I just feel you're going to start seeing them more now. If I'm them, I'm looking at this as now is my opportunity. To, to show what I can really, really do. Now is my opportunity to get the points that everyone's expecting me to get. Um, yeah, I agree. But I again, think, it is big shoes to fill. I think that the uh, the uh, another really nice thing when it comes to uh, Morgan Frost and Joel Farabee and all these young guys that have come up is that their, their expectations are actually not as high as they, people might think. This is a team that wasn't even expected to be that good this season. Yeah. So everything they do is just icing for me. Um. <laughs> Morgan Frost is phenomenal in almost every way that you could hope that a rookie has been phenomenal. Oh my he has not yeah. been out of place. The shots are there. I mean, they're not going in, but who cares about that they're not going in right now? They're yeah, going to go yeah, in. Right. I see so much of Danny Briere in this kid. The way that he shoots the puck. you got to be way- careful how you say that. Dude. I understand. Look, Danny Briere was my favorite flyer, <laughs> but I see a lot of Danny Briere in this kid. Briere no, I, was no, not I a- do too. I now, do the too. only thing I would say is he's making the rookie mistake of he's passing it a lot. He had a game, I think it was the Toronto game, where he had a couple opportunities to just fire the puck in on that, and he tried to feed it to Coots or Giroux. And it's like, yeah, I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to feed it to the star. But you know what the star would prefer? Just shoot the puck. Shoot the puck, man. Just shoot the puck. It's it's as simple as that. It really is. Like, I, I understand. I, I think maybe you know he might be nervous, maybe, or he just is afraid of missing the net or, or whatever it is, not scoring the goal. But just put it on, man. Just put it on. Eventually, it'll go in. Just keep going. And once it does go in, that'll boost his confidence just a little bit. Then he'll shoot more often. More a- The accuracy will come. You just It's trial and error. You just got to shoot more often. Joel Farabee is another one where I think that he might be a little bit behind Frost in development right now, but it's not like it's a lot. I think that you've mm-hmm. seen a little bit less out of Farabee than you would like right now. At the same time, I think you've seen a lot out of Farabee that is going to make you feel really confident going forward. Yeah, These young guys are really hard to kind of keep track of because the idea was that, one, they were going to spend a whole year with the Phantoms. That was what I kind of wanted to see, is that they're going to get a whole year in Lehigh Valley, and then they'll come up next year, and they'll be more NHL-ready, and I think that you'll see a bigger leap. But because that the team stunk without these guys, and I, and I do think that they were going to eventually start to stink because I don't think that the way that they were playing without these two was going to be sustainable when you had guys like Chris Stewart or Carson uh, uh, Tarniski. I don't think that that was a sustainable roster. Right. But these guys have given that stability to the Flyers where you now believe that they can be a team that's going to make a run in the playoffs. I'm looking for one series win this year. Just end this drought of not winning a playoff series. This current roster, when TK and Patrick and Myers, they all get back, 
this roster as constructed, I believe, is not only good enough to win a playoff series, but I believe that they are good enough to win a potential second playoff series. Yeah. Get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Even if they don't, even if they get stuck in the division or in the second round, in the semis, that's fine. But there this is there's no excuse for this team to not make a playoff push this year. And more importantly, it's there's no excuse for these veterans to come up short this year because now they have the young guys that are going to put the jolt into them. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. It's for the first time. Somebody put it on uh, the, the Flyers subreddit on Reddit. Um, they wrote this paragraph. It was beautifully written, but it ended with Flyers hockey is back. And it wasn't, you know, a typical, like, you know, now that it's October, Flyers hockey is back. It was a, more of a thing of for the first time in years. And I'm thinking back to... I kind of felt it 2013-14 a little bit during the regular season. It had its ups and downs, but with Steve Mason, the way he was playing that season, I felt I felt confident going into the into the playoffs. But I really haven't felt this way since since about 2012. I mean, I really haven't felt to the about this team that they were at the point where they were a force to be reckoned with, and they are now. Uh, for the first time in years, I look forward to seven o'clock. I look forward to, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to plop my butt on the couch and watch this team play. Yeah. And, you know, when they lost to Carroll, uh, Arizona, someone I, someone commented on my uh, on my tweet about um, about it being Jen's first game. And he was like, no offense, but it's kind of fitting that their first uh, game would be a loss. And I was like, or her first game, it would be a loss. Right. I'm like, <laughs> dude, firstly, let me just point something out to you. One, they lost to a good team. Yeah, with the and, hottest goaltender. And if not for a fluky him. goal that Brian Elliott probably doesn't allow like nine times out of ten, it might have been a lot closer. They almost came back in that game. Yeah. But I I love I loved the decision by Vigneault to pull the goalie four minutes Yeah, left. that was he smart. That was, I like that. To me, that showed his confidence in the team. That was his message to the team of saying, I trust you guys. I know go, what you go can get do. the goal. You you have this game. This game is yours. And the other thing that I really liked was that their penalty kill. They they did allow a power play goal in that game, but they still looked technically sound. They controlled the pace of play in that game against Arizona. Right. They should have won the game if they're playing like anti Ranta or if they're going up against Cam Talbot or Cal Pickard. They win that game probably like five three because right. they were just firing it in on uh, Kemper, but Kemper. It's freaking dynamite right now. Kemper, man. Yeah. I remember I picked him up in my fantasy hockey season, freshman year of college, 2014-15, because he was tearing it up for that one week. And then he <laughs> just kind of trailed off a little bit. So I'm happy to see that he's playing well. Sad to see he was playing well against us. But, you know, it is what it is. But, I mean, that, that dude has been on fire. What do you um? What do you make of Eric? Like, are they, are they a team that you think can – are they a team that can make a real run? They have players. They've got Phil Kessel. They've got Michael Grabner. They've got some. They've got some players. But I've been saying this for a while. When it comes to Arizona, it just feels like it's one of those weird years where they're going to be good, but a first round exit. I don't know how you feel. If they if Kemper's going to keep playing that way, though, they're going to go to the Western Conference Finals. I was just going to say that it really depends on on if he gets hot. Then if a goaltender gets hot, then because I feel the same way that this team is like that. You have a lot of veteran leadership too. You have Derek Step on a lot of guys who have been. I mean, playing all over the league for a very long time. Michael Grabner, like you mentioned, has won. Um, Alt Rackman Larsman, a, a tremendous defenseman. Phil Kessel, Stanley Cup champion. He's played all nah. over the league and always on great teams. I, yeah, I know. I know. He's a, they, they've allowed the least amount of goals in the Western Conference, which is pretty impressive. 
you know, I'm I'm looking at the Western Conference right now. You know which team is the most shocking? Hmm. The Dallas Stars because of the turnaround that they've all of a sudden had. Yeah, well, they played us, smoked us. They and all did of a sudden... smoke us, and I was like, "How are we going to get smoked to this team?" That's the only game the, I've been to this and year. And you look at other teams that are traditionally good. The San Jose Sharks are meddling in mediocrity right now at 15, 15 and two. You got Anaheim that they've not been good. Los Angeles. They're going to have to go full-blown into the tank real soon because Jonathan Quick is just not what he used to be I anymore. Mean, they, they have not been good for years. It's it's really it's them in Chicago. Remember, yeah. like we were always waiting for the Western Conference Finals between the Kings and Jason the Chicago Man. Blackhawks. Yeah. We never got that. These two teams, they're going to have to go into a rebuild real soon. Yeah. You look at Pittsburgh, they're a good team right now, but where they are I right don't... now is where Chicago or where Chicago is right now is where Pittsburgh's going to be very soon. Yeah, and I honestly when you were talking about, you know, if we were the second or third best team in the Metropolitan and how we had to be better than essentially the New York Islanders and the Pittsburgh Penguins, out of those two teams, the Islanders and the Penguins, the Penguins do not scare me. No, I they think they beat us seven to one. You get that a, was you upsetting. Get, get that team in Philadelphia, yeah, right? They stink on the road. They're five, six, and two on the road. Flyers are ten, two, and four at home. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, most of those four losses at home and that came in where they got a point probably should have been wins. Yeah, they blew yeah. a lead too late. Right. Um, speaking of unbelievable at home, Boston lost their first game at home in regulation recently. Boston's twenty five and six. So they, I, may, I may get crucified here, but I, I, I don't hate Boston. You don't hate Boston. I don't hate Boston. I just that's I don't insane. Know I I can't stand I'm, them. every Flyer fan I talk to. They hate Boston almost as much as they hate Pittsburgh. Bo- so, so for me, them. it's it's Boston, it's Pittsburgh, it's New Jersey for me. Really, I don't okay. hate the Rangers as much as I hate the Devils. I hate the Rangers. No, say so like I do hate the Rangers. I despise. But the you know Rangers. why I don't hate the Rangers as much as I hate the Devils? Because why? the Rangers never employed a man by the name of Scott Stevens. So with okay, that being yeah, said, right. I will. The that's Devils true. will always have a place in my heart for hatred. But for Boston, oh God, I hate them. How can you not? What do you? What is it? Know. What is it about them? I don't know. I really don't. It's just something about. I don't know. It's something about their playing style. It just reminds me so much of Philadelphia, where it's just like I can't. They're just a team that never dies. Yeah, They're a team that never yeah. goes away. It's just impressive that that and I just remember growing up watching in the, in the early two thousands and late late two thousand or early two thousand tens and in the late two thousands where they just were a mean team where they were constantly brawling, there was constant fights. I was so entertained by Boston every time they played. That I would be remiss, speaking of like early two thousands. Remember how great those teams of Detroit were? The Henry Zetterbergs, yeah. Pavel Datsuks. Oh, yeah. Uh, Detroit is seven twenty one and three. I thought Dylan Larkin was going to be much better than he uh, turned out to be. He's uh, would you take a flyer on him for the right price? I was gonna say yeah. I mean, like, I would, what, thing, would, I would would you trade? What would you give up? Like, if if New York, if Detroit calling, like, we want Mikhail Vorobiev. Would you give up Vorobiev for Dylan Larkin? I would. Yeah, I would probably do it. Yeah, too. I would do that. I think. Yeah. I think honestly, most of those like Mantha. And Larkin, I think these are guys that probably just need a change of scenery. I think so, too. This is a disaster of an organization that has not been the same since since Babcock left. And Babcock is a a horrible human being, as it turns out. Yeah, wow. Holy crap, dude. Toronto's another team that's been disappointing this year. I mean, they, to me, are like the Cleveland Browns right now of the NHL. With all this talent. All and the they talent just, in the world. You know what? It's, it's, it's honestly a disgrace to the fans of Toronto. Because How do you have William Nylander, Austin, Austin Matthews, John Tavares. John Tavares. Who's the other one? Oh, geez. Mitch Marner. Mitch Marner. One. How do you have all those guys? And you've team? got a good goalie in Frederick Anderson. How do you, how do you not win? 
How do you not? Because this team does not know how to win. Yeah, they're the classic. All the talent in the world doesn't mean anything. They have yeah. no. There's. I mean, for God's sakes, they employed Dave Haxtell on that bench. How are you going to win with Dave Haxtell? <laughs> which, which I thought was actually like not a bad move because I thought you know what? It's a young team. He was a college coach. He's not a head coach, so he's not really. In yeah, I remember when I everything. thought that. I remember when I thought the Flyers are getting yeah. younger. We need a guy that can relate to I did these too. people. Yeah. It doesn't. The thing about what we learned about Hackstall is it really doesn't matter if you're college or not. If you've got no energy, that's going to translate to the ice. Yeah, and he never and he never made changes. He never, for example, like Elaine Vigneault, he will he makes these changes mid game. He he mixes things up to light a fire under the team that Hackstall never did. If I I I could if I never see the name Chris Vandevelde again in my life, it'll be too soon. Yeah, I mean, how many dude, how I many flyers? How many oh players God. from that era do you think we could go through? Where it's just you just get so for. Um, oh, yeah. Let's oh, see. There's Evgeny oh, Medvedev, yeah. the defenseman. Oh yeah, there are uh, a lot, dude. But for my money, the greatest Dave Hackstall player of all time will always be Yori Laterra. Like another one, like I remember always hearing about. Like to me, he was like a white whale. I remember always hearing about Yori Laterra. Like I feel like <laughs> I never saw him on ice, even though he was there. He was there. He was there, um, you know, slinging coke, doing whatever. People, I don't know what sling, he was doing. Slinging coke. <laughs> I like that. He was, dis- he was distributing something. it. He was... Uh, I feel like he was hiding out here for a long time, just trying to not deal with, uh, he not was, deal with that. He was just trying to escape customs. But, yeah. you know, the thing is, is that Laterra was actually the tr- the trade that brought over Morgan Frost to Philadelphia. Or was it was it Farabee or Frost, that trade? I didn't want him happy. Because they traded Shen. They mm-hmm. got a first-round pick back and Lori Yori Laterra and, Yori Latera, yeah. and they either selected Frost I think it was Frost actually with that pick and so people were like oh my god we just we traded Braden Shen for Yori Laterra for two things one was totally was, re- was totally ready to move on from Braden yeah, Shen yeah honestly when it first happened I thought it was a great trade he was I such was a, a disappointment trade. in Philadelphia and happy for him that he won something in St. Louis along with him and Craig Berube but Hated him in Philadelphia after a while because he should have been so much more than what he ended up being. Yeah, like I, I never like got to the point where I hated him. Oh, I got, but so I got sick to the of point him. Where I, I, I wasn't upset if he was if he was gonna go. I, I wasn't. It wasn't one of those guys of like, oh no, we can't trade. This him. wasn't like a Bobrovsky for me where I was like, right. oh, we're gonna regret trading that guy. Exactly. Exactly. With Shen, yeah. I was like, we're not gonna regret it. Even if exactly. even if he when he won a cup and people were like, oh my god, we could have had. Bra- no, nah, we weren't gonna win a cup he, with Braden Shen. Like, he had like 15 goals that season. Yeah. Like don't get me wrong. He was like, not the reason they won a cup. No, Jordan Bennington's amazing postseason yeah. provided with their incredible offense is why they won the cup. Definitely. And like again, like I just he to me. I don't like to use this word because I don't like to, you know, I'm, I like to be nice to people. I don't like, I'm relatively humanitarian about certain things, but like, he was replaceable. Braden Shen, that type of production, that type of player, that's replaceable. That's how I felt about Wayne Simmons last year. When we traded him, I was yeah. like, he's a replaceable player at this point. Yeah. And he's not really doing much of anything in New Jersey. No. no. Which, again, I'm not rooting for him to do much of nothing. I am rooting for the team to be terrible, but, yeah. and they are God awful. They are in dead last place of the Metropolitan with twenty three points. Yeah, I mean no one no one saw that coming. With with the the acquisitions that they made, Wayne Simmons as one of them. PK Subban was the big one. I mean he was the big I'll guy. I'll tell you a story. Yeah, go ahead. Uh I went to a preseason game mm-hmm. with Matt and Jenna. Right. They were playing the Islanders. And at the time, I was actually really kind of on the fence about the Islanders. I'm like, ah, I mean, they had a really good year last year. They have Barry Trotz though, so if you got Barry Trotz, yeah, you're gonna be good. Always what I, yeah, I feel the same way. So I'm watching the game. And I was thinking in my head because you know Matt didn't highly toot the team, but like he felt good about the Devil. He's a Devils fan, and and why why wouldn't he? Yeah, why he, wouldn't he? he felt good about right. them. 
I'm watching the team. I'm thinking in my head. I was like, why are the Flyers not better than this team? Give me one reason. Corey Schneider is not that good of a goalie. I don't like this blue line. These offensive playmakers are, they look like they're going to be inconsistent, which are all three things, by the way, you could have pointed at the Flyers and said, mm -hmm. I don't know if I trust Carter Hart. Right. I think the scoring's inconsistent, and I don't trust the blue line. Those are three things you could have easily pointed at the Flyers yeah, and said absolutely. they're not that good. Yeah. But this team, it was like so highlighted, and I was so unimpressed leaving that game that I was like, they're not going to be as good as people think. I thought they were going to at least be a, like right there to get into the playoffs, and they still could because they're only 20, we're only 30 games into the season, right, really. Yeah, yeah. But. They don't look anywhere near ready to be a playoff team. And now you've got Taylor Hall that's basically just send, sending the Flyers up into the sky saying, someone come get me. I, and that, that is something as, even though it's a rival team, I I immediately dislike a player if, if they're just ready to jump ship so quickly. You remember a Flyer ever doing that? Like who, like, I'm trying to think of a Flyer that would have done that. I can't remember a Flyer doing that while on the team. But I LeCabulet would have been probably the only one I can remember. Yeah. LeCabulet yeah. wanted out of Philly. Mm -hmm. But and then again, we didn't. We we we. That was a horrible signing that we had. I don't know what Snyder thought he saw in, yeah, fifty-year-old Vinny Lecabulet. Yeah, I mean, to me, I thought we might get. I mean, we did get a one twenty-goal season out of him, which is kind of what I was expecting. But I felt bad for the Cavalier because, like that, his first. No, season, he he was not a problem. He it was the fact that we just gave him way too much money at his age. Exactly. It was yeah, a exactly. bad. That was a bad. Yeah. That was, was bad, bad logistics. Signing. It was just bad signing. That yeah. was a. That was like the last bad thing that Ed Snyder and Paul Hungren did for this team before yeah. they were like, all right, we got to get rid of you. Right. And um, then Hextall came in and. I always will look at Hextall as like the Ed. W I don't know if you know this because you're not much of a baseball person, but Ed Wade was a general manager for the Phillies. Mm -hmm. He was the guy that like got Howard, got Utley, okay, got uh, right, all these right. guys. Yeah, the World and, Series team. Yeah, uh, the World Series team. But yeah. you know what he couldn't do? Mm -hmm. Couldn't put that rot that finishing roster together. Yeah. Then they bring in Pat Gillick. He brings in guys like Jason Worth. He brought in Jamie Moyer. Uh, he traded for Joe Blanton. Yeah. And that was the team that you know that was the finishing pieces. That is Ron Hextall to me. He had all the pieces that we needed. Oscar Lindblom, Travis Konechny, Morgan Frost, all these guys. But he was never able to put it together. Now Chuck Fletcher's coming in, and he's putting the finishing, finishing touches on what very well could be a Stanley Cup team in, not this year, but next year, maybe the year after. Like, they're they're yeah. looking at a team that they're could right be there. very good soon. That's a really, that's an extremely good analogy, actually. Yeah, because, like, Ron Hextall, I agree. It, it was time to move on from him. Mm-hmm. But I will never dislike the guy. I will never. No, hate him. you couldn't. Because one, the, of course, is his history with the organization. But two, as a, as a GM, I mean, his trades, he was phenomenal. No, I mean, he, he did. He pulled a, off some of these trades that I couldn't wrap my head around. Zach Ronaldo for a third round pick. What I will are never think. What were the Boston <laughs> What do you think? You know what they're thinking? They're thinking that because people like you like their type of hockey of yeah. this tough grinding yes, hockey. Yeah. They're like, all right, we'll get Zach Ronaldo, who get like 500 penalty yeah, minutes right. and like four goals. Come, People will eat that up. Guys, up, perfect. Um, before we go, <laughs> going back to Elaine Vigneault, when people hired him, everyone said the same thing: he doesn't play the young guys. He doesn't play the young guys. I'm telling you right now, when they hired him, I was like, this is a great, this is a great hiring because it's an adult in the room. And I think he's gonna and he's gonna have to play young guys because that's all we basically had at yeah, that point. Yeah, right. Like it was a bunch <laughs> of young guys, and I think he he wants to play the guys who he knows are gonna be most successful. And so a lot of people have this idea. It's, well, it's a no BS or uh, no yeah. BS atmosphere with so, this team. I think a lot of people have this idea that oh he doesn't play the young guys. Well, he probably usually doesn't because on the other teams he's been on, they're probably not the most 
most productive of what he needs also, at that moment. Think about who he had in New York. That was an old team. Exactly. Think yeah, about who he really. had in Vancouver with the Sedin twins another and Alex old, Burrows and guys like that. Yeah. Another old team. But again, the thing about that old team was that those players were still playing at a phenomenally great level. Yeah. Would if he had come last year, you think he's going with Yori Latera over a guy like I don't know. Uh, Travis Konechny? Yeah, absolutely not. You think that he's going to go with... Like, like When the Flyers finally pulled the plug on Andrew McDonald like, and just oh, benched oh, him for oh, the, oh. Like, that last half of the season, I was like, okay, no. it's meaningless because they're not going to make the playoffs, but oh my God, it was therapeutic for this fan base. It's, it's ridiculous how you had a defenseman who's on your top line who when you make a simulation in the NHL video game, he's always a free agent. I mean that's just that's come on guys like let's get our let's get our stuff together here. He it's was ridiculous. a disaster of a player. Mark Streit, again, I don't, he, he was like part of that Mark Streit Andrew McDonald years, and I liked Mark Streit. I talked myself into Mark Streit, Nicholas Grossman, and all those guys. You're bringing back names that I just blocked out of my memory. I and I like Mark Streit too. His first season, I, I I did enjoy him. I would be lying if I said I didn't. Andrew McDonald had half a season that he was reasonably good. Right. And then the rest of the contract kicked in. Listen, reasonably good is not worth $5 million a year, okay? Over so, what? What was it, like five, six years? Five, six. It was, It was. I know the contract was $30 million, so I, it was either $5 million a year for six years or $6 million a year for five years. I would play debate with my friends and say, what was the worst, what's the worst contract right now? Andrew McDonald or RJ Umberger? Because when they had Umberger back for that, like, second stint with the Flyers... Oh my God, he was so bad. This team was meddled in bad contracts. I would say McDonald just because he was getting paid so much and was to, to be the, the best defenseman, right? Yeah, and he was with the Phantoms most of the time he was here, so that's the only reason why. But Art Umberger was another one because to add on to that, we got rid of Scott Hartnell. Yeah, they got rid of Hart. They let Hartnell go to get a guy like Umberger back, and I get why because again, Hartnell, even though he's better, he. He wasn't. He wasn't going to produce like we needed him to, and he wasn't going to produce like probably yeah, the amount but of money that it's, he wanted. It's a horrible practice in hockey. You never replace a good veteran player with another veteran player that's either just as, if not older. Yeah. You always replace them with younger talent. I, yeah. No, I agree. And I think I think what they were doing was they were trying to go for the cheaper option. And guess what? When you buy cheap, you get cheap. Mm-hmm. He didn't play as well because he was cheaper. That's what you got. And that's what happens when you buy American made. Uh, yeah. <laughs> With, so, this sport, man. <laughs> so with that, that is going to come to the conclusion of our first uh, of many uh, Fly Guys podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter. Cameron, why don't you give a, go ahead and give a shout out to your Twitter? Mine is, if I'm remembering it correctly off the top of my head, it is Cameron Klein 15, C-A-M-E-R-O-N-K-L-I-N-E-1-5. And you can follow me on Twitter at GoodHeartJustin. Please be sure to give us a listen wherever we may put this or we may not put this. But uh, thank you so much for listening, and we hope that you enjoyed. Flyers playing tomorrow against Avalanche. Hopefully they win, and hopefully in about a week or two's time, we'll be back here talking about what a great Western road trip they had. Yeah, right. Hopefully. All righty.